Our scripture reading this morning will be from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death to death and to the other the aroma of life to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Hope that you had a good Christmas. Hope that you received gifts that you like. I couldn't help but uh, get a little kick out of a little article I read uh, this past week about what to say when you get gifts that you don't like. You know, things like, hey, now, there's a gift, or well, 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 or... I love it, but I fear the jealousy it will inspire. Or what about, sadly, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll enter a federal witness protection program and I won't be allowed to take this. Or to think, I got this the year I'm giving all of my gifts to charity. Or you gotta love the ones that, that have the old double meaning. I really don't deserve this. You're gonna get a gift this morning. Uh, a rich gift, one, the opportunity to be together with God's people. What a blessing it is. But also Tim Martin has made available to us, and they're in the window seals, our Bible reading for next year. He's put a lot of thought into the order of it. It's a very simple approach in that we're going to read through the New Testament together. The schedule is Monday through Friday, and there'll be one chapter a day in the New Testament to read through uh, the New Testament in the year, Monday through Friday. Also, as you look inside the guide, he gives a description, uh, an introduction, and tells you why the reading is in the particular order that it's in. There's a lot of thought put into that. And then when you go to the inside, of course, you have the reading. So be sure and pick it up so that by January 1, you can begin uh, the reading together and we'll all be on the same schedule. As you think about what we should encourage each other to do, being in the Word of God is one of the great things that we could be encouraged to do. We appreciate Tim. Uh, continue to be prayerful for him and his situation with his heart right now. Uh, we're thankful that a plan is being made and we're thankful that there's an optimistic plan being made and uh, we're thankful that he is a man who constantly encourages us to be in the Word of God. Secondly, we want to encourage you that if you look at 2015 and say, wow, I really have had a lot of pain, a lot of struggles in 2015. I want 2016 to be better. Well, we want to encourage you to remember that Recovery Through Christ will begin its first sessions in 2016 on January the 7th at 7 to 9 each Thursday evening. So if you're struggling with life controlling issues, if you simply want a closer relationship with God, if you want to grow, this will be a powerful time. The challenge is this, give it four weeks 
And if in four weeks you do not see hope, you do not see growth, maybe it's not for you, but you'd be one of the few that would say that that's not the case after four weeks. Before we get into the lesson, let me quickly mention to you just good things. Uh, we're thankful for our fourth grade Bible class. They decided that they were going to do Operation or, or Christmas, Operation Christmas is what they were going to do. And uh, they were going to send out cards to people that were sick. And it started out being just 15 cards and they worked really hard and they came up with 30 or 40 cards. And we're thankful uh, for Amy Chapman leading this class, teaching this class. And we're thankful for each of the four-year-olds that reached out this holiday and encouraged a lot of people. With that in mind, adults, Think about how important Bible class time is. As you think about next year, we have 53 Sundays next year, kind of unique year in that. Will you read your Bible every day? And will you be in Bible class every Sunday? Think how that could change your life. Think how that could help you grow. Think how that could impact your life. Please, please get into the Word of God and then get into a Bible class so that we can do that together. It just really, really helps us. We've been thinking about God's great expectations. Within every acorn, God sees the potential of a great oak tree. Within you, God sees the potential of what you can become. He has given you your spiritual gifts. He's given you the opportunities. He's given you people around you. He's given you everything that you need to thrive. And so we've been spending this whole year looking at what are the expectations that God would have for us. And we're closing this year with victory. God expects you and I to be victorious. He's done everything that he could do for you and I to end this life and to spend an eternity with him. With that in mind, we've been studying today and last week, 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. And it's, I wouldn't say a unique passage, but it's, it's kind of unique in the metaphors that are used there. Look again with me, if you will, 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, where he says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. We talked about last week that no doubt that is a term that Paul is using to speak in a technical sense. In the Roman culture, they would go out to battle and they would come back and the triumph would be a great display of victory. But now notice as we continue reading, he says, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. Now, just to review very quickly, we use the Super Bowl 49 as an example last week. And we talked about the last play of the game would be what we would call the victory. But yet it was a few days later that there was the victory parade, if you will. In the Roman culture, think of the triumph. The, they, the team rode down the streets in Boston to thousands upon thousands of fans. And, and it was a great celebration of triumph. Now look at that picture and then compare it to the next of the Roman culture and their triumph where they would go out to battle and when they would come home, there would be a parade and the parade would usually at the beginning have trumpets and then there would be displays to show or to give information of exactly how the battle was won. And then the spoils would be ridden on carts through the streets of gold and silver. And then would come the prisoners of war. Then would come the captain that was the hero of all of this and his soldiers. And then usually at the end would be uh, bulls. 
sometimes white bulls, because when this parade would go its designated route, the last place of destination would be the temple of Jupiter. And there they would make a great offering of these bulls for, for offering to Jupiter thanksgiving, gratitude for their victory. Now, let me point out one thing that's very important for this second metaphor that we're looking at of fragrance. The route was designated to go by the major temples of their day. And each of the temples would be burning the incense or even offerings upon altars. And so as they would march through the streets and they would go through particular routes, and as we've already mentioned, stopping at Jupiter and there an offering on the altar, there was a great incense, a great fragrance that would fill the streets. I'd like for you to look again with me to 2 Corinthians the second chapter in verse 14, and I'd just like for you to see this with your own eyes. The first part, he mentions the triumph. We're led, he leads us, God does in triumph in Christ. But notice this next part. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge into every place. Is fragrance really that powerful of a metaphor that it speaks to you today? Maybe if it doesn't, maybe you and I need to spend a little more time thinking about how powerful is fragrance. Realtors suggest that you make sure that when your house is being shown for sale, that there's the proper fragrances throughout the house. One saying is, clean smells clean. So have your house truly clean so that it smells clean. But others say, go ahead and make sure that there's some lemon scent or pine scent. Or if you really want to sell your house, have some bread baking or some cookies baking. It appeals in a very pleasant sense to the senses and marketing has actually proven that certain scents creates selling power. How many times have you smelled of a newborn baby and you've thought to yourself, there's nothing like that fragrance? Now, I know some of you are saying that's just Johnson's and Johnson's baby shampoo. But whatever it is, it's a beautiful and unique fragrance that pulls you into that moment. Or how many times have you opened a door and you've smelt something so horrible that not only did you say, I can't enter that room, you literally felt as if you could not enter that room. Now pause and think about that for a moment. You mean to tell me fragrance can stop you from going somewhere? Yeah. There's a lot of people that are greatly controlled by fragrance. There are some things people cannot eat, not because of the way it tastes, simply because of the way it smells. Places they cannot go, not because they're endangered or it would be bad for them to go there, just simply because of the way it smells. Places they want to go and the primary pull drawing them there is the way something smells. The point I'm trying to make to you is that when God uses the metaphor of fragrance, he uses it in this triumph where if you and I would have been the soldiers coming home or we would have been the prisoners of war, 
There would have been a very distinct odor walking through those streets. The incense that filled the air. The, the offerings as animals were being burnt on an altar would have had a distinct smell in the air. The flowers that the women and the children were throwing out on the street would have probably had a smell. Probably even the sweat and the blood from the soldiers and the prisoners of war could have definitely had a smell. You see, that fragrance was what the Lord is speaking of through Paul here in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And notice, he says this fragrance, and he doesn't just leave it as, as some kind of guess. Well, what is the fragrance that we are to be concerned about? Notice again in verse 14, 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, that through us diffuses what? The fragrance of his knowledge. What are we to be lifting up? The knowledge of Jesus. Well, what would that do? I don't profess to you to be any kind of expert, not even very knowledgeable in this, but some of you immediately know what this is from where you're sitting, and others of you are like, what is that? Well, that's essential oil. I mean, how do you sleep without that, right? Essential oil doesn't work solely on aromatherapy, but in part, it's the idea that there are certain scents that can help you. There are certain essential oils that if you place them on your skin or smell them, it can help a headache. It can help a sick stomach. It can help a cold. This particular one, HIPAA restrictions probably won't allow me to tell you that the person I sleep with every night puts this on every night. And, and we have this aroma that fills, that fills the room. And, uh, and it's just simply to help you sleep better. Now, she wears it and I sleep good. And I don't know how that works. But, <laughs> but the point that I'm simply trying to make to you is that, is that the, the idea behind this is what do you want to accomplish? And what you want to accomplish will then depend on which essential oil you'll use. Does that make sense? So if we are to be a fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, what would that accomplish? What would it accomplish if you had a coworker that, that this coming year, you could be the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to them? What impact could that have on their life if they began to learn and take advantage of that fragrance, that knowledge of Jesus that you live? What about the people in your home? What if you could be a fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus to your spouse or to your children or to your parents? If you lifted up that knowledge, what could take place? Well, since in verse 14, he talks about us being led by God in triumph in Christ and then he talks about the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's look at some phrases. And, and this is just a drop in the bucket. We could literally have, I guess you could almost have a year-long series about what is taught about what we benefit in Christ Jesus. Look at this slide here as we think about things that we have in Christ Jesus. In Romans, we learn in 3 and 24 that redemption is in Christ Jesus. So if you're the fragrance of Jesus, you can help others have redemption. 8 and 1 says there's no condemnation in Christ. 8 and 39 teaches us that's where we find the love of God is in Christ. 
1 Corinthians 15 and 22 says we're made alive in Christ. Or 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, we're new creature in Christ. Or Galatians 3 and 27, we become children of God in Christ. Or Ephesians 1 and 3, all spiritual blessings are found in Christ. And then someone says, hopefully would say, well, I want to know how to get in Christ then. You know, just like if we said all these things are found in that room over there, surely we would all say, well, how do you get into that room? If all these things, are, they're not found in the world. Condemnation's found in the world. Death's found in the world. A child of the world is found in the world. But you don't find children of God in the world. You don't find life. You don't find new creation. You don't find salvation in the world. Where do you find those? You find them in Christ. And so how do we get into Christ? Well, that final step is we're baptized into Christ. Now, that's not all there is to it. But that is that final step where we leave the world and now we are in Christ. We have redemption. Our sins are washed away. You mean to tell me that we could be a fragrance lifting up the fragrance which is the knowledge of Jesus Christ to accomplish that. How amazing would that be? In Philippians 3 and 8, Paul said he was willing to count all things for loss that he could gain this knowledge of Christ. And in verse nine, it was so that he could be found in him. And when we skip down to verse 10, he said that I may know him no, that fragrance is the knowledge of Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul knew that Jesus Christ overcame the grave, that eternal life was found through Jesus Christ. Paul wanted to know the power of the resurrection, but Paul knew that in order to know the power of the resurrection, he'd also have to be willing to suffer, to have fellowship in the suffering of Jesus. I can't say I want the eternal life with Jesus if I'm not willing to take the death of Jesus. That's a part of the knowledge. In other words, the Lord asks a lot of us. And that's frankly probably why some people aren't willing to follow Jesus. Because we have to give up self in order to follow him. We learn all of this as we learn about Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus. But as we go back to our text in 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, I'd like for you to notice that phrase again. We just talked about the fragrance of his knowledge, but I'd like for you to back up and look where he says, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. Wait a minute, who are we? We are the one that says, you know what? If we leave Jesus in between the leather binding, if we keep the essential oil in the bottle and we don't let it out, it does no good. In other words, there needs to be a diffuser. On this next slide here, we see various diffusers that are used to spread essential oil, whether it's through your office, if it's through your house, if it's through your children's bedroom. You can even get a diffuser through the USB of, of your laptop and diffuse it wherever you go. You can even take just a little bit and put it on a piece of, of uh, a cotton ball and just put it close to you. Not in the same sense of essential oils, but I remember growing up the way we heated our house was a wood stove. And, uh, and I remember in the wintertime, especially if a company was coming, 
mom would put a little pot of water with some cinnamon and some spices on the wood stove and it would heat up the spices and that would diffuse that beautiful smell throughout the entire house. Listen, it's an amazing thing where Paul reveals here that you and I are to be the diffusers of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let that sink in. If the knowledge of Jesus is kept only inside the Bible, we as Christians have not done our task. We are diffusers. We are ones that spread the knowledge of Jesus. On this next slide, I'd like for you to look at a few other metaphors that teach the very same thing. Jesus taught about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't use the word diffuser here, but he used the idea of salt. You and I are to be the salt of the earth in the fifth chapter in verse 13. In the fifth chapter in verse 16, just three verses down, he said that we're to be the light of the world. And remember that we're supposed to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and do what? Glorify the Father which is in heaven. There's supposed to be a certain way that we live and a certain way that we talk and a certain way that we teach that the knowledge of Jesus is lifted up like salt that preserves or like light that, that enlightens the way. We as Christians are to be a diffuser to lift up, to spread out the fragrance of Jesus that can change people's life and even their eternity. Really, that's what the Great Commission is all about. In Matthew, the 28th chapter and verse 19, we are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, where are we to go? Where are we to diffuse? Everywhere. Well, as we take the knowledge of Jesus, what are we doing? We're helping people see how when they learn about Jesus, they can become disciples of Jesus. That's powerful. So it's teaching. It's living it. It's even the way we love. Remember John, the 13th chapter in 34 and 35? A new commandment that I've given to you that you love one another. Jesus is saying this, that you love one another as I've loved you. But then notice in 35 where he says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Jesus says the way you love each other, the way you treat each other is a part of lifting up that knowledge of me so that you truly can share, diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Something's wrong when we go into someone's life and you talk with a coworker and say, you know, that, that person you're talking about, I go to church with them. And that person says, that's interesting. I've worked with them for 20 years and I never knew they went to church. It's not a very good job of diffusing Christ, is it? That's interesting. I lived beside them for years and I never knew they were a Christian. That's interesting. I was in school with them. I sat beside them all last year and I never knew anything about Christ from them. That's interesting. They were my teacher. 
They taught me for an entire year and I never knew they were a Christian. That's interesting. They were my boss. How well are we doing at diffusing the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Because the reality is there should be recipients. Just like right now, if we turned on a a type of diffuser, and, and I started to do that this morning, but then I thought, sure, as I do that, someone will be allergic to it and have to leave the auditorium. And you know, I just thought it would be neat to have a diffuser and turn it on, and by the time the lesson's going, you're really starting to smell an aroma. But see, instead, I'm just keeping it in the bottle this morning. It's not going to do any good for any of us here this morning. It's going to stay in the bottle. What about you this week? Christ, the knowledge of Jesus, is going to stay within it's not going to accomplish what it's designed to accomplish because we're not a diffuser. You say, well, who are the recipients? I need to be aware of this. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16, he says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Let that sink in. We're the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Well, what about the lost? And among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death, leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life, leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Do you see what he's saying there? You have the same triumphant march. And the soldiers that are coming back victorious, they walk through and they smell the incense and they smell the altar, uh, the, the offerings on the altar, and they smell all these things and they say, oh, the smell of victory. And then... The prisoners of war, they're coming into Rome and they know in a few days they're going to be the gladiators. They're going to be torn to pieces in the Colosseum. They know that things are not good for them. They're coming home as prisoners of war defeated. They smell the same incense and they say, that's the aroma of death. That's what death smells like. Jesus Christ is too powerful to be neutral. There's only one that has overcome death. There's only one who has literally defeated death. Jesus went up in war against death and Jesus won. And now anyone that stands with Jesus marches in triumph and it's life. Anyone who does not stand with Jesus marches in the same triumph, but it is death. Any of us that lift up the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus will have people in our life that say, you're a Christian, aren't you? I'm a Christian too. It's, it's good to be with you. You've really encouraged me. And someone else will see the very same life that we live and they'll dislike us. And they'll grow angry with us because Jesus is that divisive. And others will be offended. That is exactly what he is saying there. If your idea is I'm going to be a faithful Christian and I'm going to let the fragrance of Jesus be lifted up, the knowledge of Jesus be lifted up, and everybody at work is going to love me because of it, you're not reading from the same Bible that God wrote. He said, I'm going to lift up Jesus and everybody in my family is going to be thrilled. They're not. All of my friends are going to love it because in 2016, I'm going to get serious about Christianity. No more of one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. Now I'm going to put both feet in Christ and my friends are going to be impressed. I guarantee you all your friends are not going to be impressed. 
many, many are going to discourage you. Because when you and I lift up the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus, some smell salvation and others see our very life and they smell death. And it is offensive to them. We don't have time to read all of this, but if, if you want to, the next few slides, if you want to just scan, Luke the 23rd chapter. You remember 32 and 33? I want to give you a real life example here. Remember Jesus was crucified, but there were two thieves. When you skip down to 39, there were criminals and one of them rebuked and, and, and blasphemed Jesus in 39. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But then the other thief rebuked him, skipping on down. He says, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he says in 42 to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In 43, Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What just happened there? One knowledge of Jesus Christ lifted up on a cross. To one thief, what was it? To one thief, the knowledge of Jesus became salvation. To the other thief on the other side, the same Jesus Christ became the recognition of death. You can't stand neutral with Jesus. There's no triumph in saying, well, I'm not really, I'm not really a, a really dedicated, faithful Christian, but listen, I'm not a bad person, and I'm not against Jesus, and I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not. That's death. There's a fragrance. It's the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that knowledge is to be lifted. It's to be lifted by us. And as it's lifted, there'll be recipients. And some recipients will love that knowledge and they'll be saved. And other recipients will blaspheme, get angry, and ridicule. ridicule. It's always been that way. But as we close, I want you to notice the last phrase. And then also, I'd like for you to notice uh, the last phrase of 15 and then or of 16 and then 17. Are we ample? Look at the way verse 16 ends. And who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient? Who's competent? Who, who's able? Who's worthy? Are you worthy to lift up the fragrance and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Who, who can say, I can take that on? Notice what Paul says here in 17. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. And what he's doing is he's giving a backdoor approach to addressing false apostles. And he says, let me tell you something. I'm not a false apostle. I didn't come through Corinth and, and preach to you a gospel just so I could take your money from you. He says, you notice that I came to you in the presence of God as my witness. I came to you in sincerity and I came to you from God. Sincerity is that singleness. It's 
clear. It's pure. Nothing else is defiled. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a huckster to you and take advantage of you financially and use God's word. And someone says, well, immediately what comes to my mind is TV evangelist. Perhaps that could be an application to this. You know what else is an application to this? When you and I don't really live the word of God, but anytime we have the opportunity, we use the word of God against somebody. That's peddling the word of God. Oh, I'm not lifting up the fragrance of the knowledge of the Lord because I live for him. I just use it whenever it's to my advantage. Let me just make up a scenario. Here's a man that as a husband and as, a, as an individual, as a man, he's not a dedicated Christian. He comes to church enough to know what the Bible says, but he's not dedicated to Christ. He's married to a woman that is devoted to the Lord. They get into an argument and he turns around. This guy that is not living for the Lord turns around and says to his wife, well, you know what 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says? You have to submit to me. Wait, wait, wait. Now you're going to use the word of God? Why are you using the word of God now? You're peddling. You're selfishly trying to get your way and so you're using the word of God not because you've lifted up God and you've submitted to God and you love the word of God. You're just trying to use the word of God to get your way. Parents do it regularly. You know, parents that are hypocrites, they're living with one foot in the world and they're living one foot in the church and they're just trying to live both worlds. And then whenever their child, the parent gets scared, oh, oh no, they're, they're going to start becoming immoral. They're, they're, they're going to start getting into trouble. I don't, I don't want them to be a juvenile delinquent. And so all of a sudden, this parent that doesn't live the word of God faithfully, all of a sudden starts quoting scripture to their child. Why? You think it's going to benefit the family? Brethren, don't play games with God's word. Don't peddle God's word. If you're going to turn around and encourage your family to live the holy word of God, start first by you being the diffuser that lifts up the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you can sincerely say, I just want to encourage you to live for Jesus. God's great expectations. How do you see next year looking? Number one, we don't know for sure we'll have a next year. But let's just say God gives time. Will you be a diffuser to lift up? the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Knowing some aren't going to like it. Some are going to be saved by it. But you will be genuine. And you'll be sincere. And you'll be honest. If you're ready to be immersed into Christ, or if you're ready to be restored, if there's any way we can help you in any way take steps closer to the Lord, we'd be honored to help you come.